0: From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. Hot
1: dogs have so much personality to me (laughs) that adding a face or some legs or something doesn't seem that far off. Like, they're already so expressive.
0: Today on our show, author and illustrator Emily Wallace talks with producer Josephine McRobbie about her new book, Exploring Roadside Foods in the South. And now that the weather has turned here in the Midwest, we can talk about persimmons again. Jackie B. Howard has some recipes, and spoiler, it's not your mother's persimmon pudding. That's all coming up, so stay with us. If you've taken a long road trip through the southern United States, you can almost track your progress by the food on the billboards and local storefront signs, moving from brisket to crawfish boil to peach pie. Producer Josephine McRobbie spoke with a writer and illustrator with a new book documenting these southern roadsides. Across from a tire store and next to a coin
2: laundry in Smithfield, North Carolina, stands Hills of Snow, a tiny building shaped like a bright blue snowball. Snowballs, those colorful shaved ice concoctions, aren't really in high demand on a Monday morning in October, so they're closed. And I'm here by my lonesome, checking out the endless list of flavors. Maui Waui, papaya, peach daiquiri, peanut butter, peppermint, pineapple. Wild strawberry was Emily Wallace's flavor of choice when she was growing up in Smithfield. But Hills of Snow was more than a place to get a sugar rush. The audacity of the shape of the building would prove to have a big impact on her. blue raspberry, sour watermelon, spearmint hammer in, tutti frutti. It's just amazing.
1: It's funny how much I think about it. You know, I definitely didn't realize that at the time, but I think it just showed me a sort of what was possible and, you know, with your imagination in a otherwise kind of rural spot where we didn't have, like, you know, a giant museum to go to and see all this artwork that, you know, you could create. Um, We had a giant snowball stand, and that meant a lot to me, and it still does. We're upstairs in my sort of studio office space.
2: Today, Emily is a writer and illustrator whose work focuses on Southern food, its traditions, culture, and histories of labor and industry.
1: Yeah, these are little macaroni people, macaroni and cheese people. It was for a feature in AAA magazine that they had done about...
2: Her new book is titled *Roadsides*, an illustrated companion to dining and driving in the American South. It's an A-to-Z guide with each letter of the alphabet focused on a concept and corresponding place. Chapter Z, for example, is about zealots. She knew she had to talk about barbecue. But rather than wade into the style wars of her own home state, she visited Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas. They have people that line up there for five
1: or six hours to wait for a tray of barbecue.
2: Chapter B for billboards looks at South of the Border, the Mexico-themed roadside attraction on the state line linking the Carolinas. It advertises via nearly 200 billboards on Interstate 95. The tourist attraction was founded by a man who used a lot of stereotypical imagery, but also supported racial integration during Jim Crow. In Emily's words, it holds a lot of meanings all at once.
1: South of the Border kind of has long straddled this place between being kind of forward-thinking in some ways and backwards in others, or family-friendly in some ways, like they have these rides for children and then, you know, has or had some illegal gambling places.
2: For Chapter D, that's directions, Emily visited the Florida Welcome Centers, another state-straddling phenomenon with a surprising history.
1: A lot of folks that work there have hung on for 30 or plus years and just have these amazing stories of how they've helped travelers um, they give out a free cup of 100% Florida orange juice, but they also have to pass this, I think, 167-question test about Florida history. You have to be able to read a map upside down. And and the stories, you know, from people who have worked there for a long time were just kind of amazing about giving people directions or helping deliver a baby or helping a man who got bitten by a snake in the parking lot. Um, that was really surprising. I hadn't thought about, you know, Just the number of people that are in and out of there a day that these people come into contact with and the ways that they help way beyond, you know, just offering directions.
2: Emily can trace her interest in representations of food all the way back to when she was a kid, when she would draw and write stories with her grandmother.
1: She made a cookbook, like a little spiral-bound cookbook, that she gave to um, my cousins and me. And I was flipping through it a few years ago, and there were so many drawings of the foods that I feel like I write about and and draw now. It was kind of funny. I was like, of course she already did this. Like, she'd drawn a fomeno cheese sandwich and written, like, cheese, Emily's favorite. She beat me to it, and I didn't even realize, like, you know, I was kind of refashioning this in a way.
2: Emily's mother was an English teacher, and her parents also owned a farm equipment retailer in Smithfield, which was a bit of a local gathering spot. She grew up with a love for storytelling. After studying creative writing and studio art, she went on to pursue a master's degree in folklore. She was interested in music history, but her life shifted dramatically when she took a class on food writing. The students were tasked with documenting a certain person or place.
1: And I chose this little pimento cheese factory that was about 30 minutes from where I went to school and just realized how many stories you could tell through just that one food Uh, and fell in love with the process then you know that was specifically about pimento cheese and I was thinking about the ingredients and followed those down different paths and then um, I've just kept
2: going from there. Emily's illustrations have both the frank documentary composition of a William Eggleston photograph and the warm whimsy of a hand-painted carnival sign Her imagery covers southern dining icons, dukes, mayonnaise, doilies, grits. Some items, like hot dogs or pickles, lend themselves to a certain cartoon style. This is going to sound hokey, but in some ways they just, like hot dogs have so much personality to me
1: (laughs) that, you know, adding a face or some legs or
2: something doesn't seem that far off. Like, they're already so expressive. Recently, she's been drawing one of her own favorite roadsides.
1: Uh, Nab crackers. Uh, the orange sort of square sandwich crackers. It's two cheese crackers and peanut butter in the middle. Um, I love them.
2: I asked Emily how many miles she put on her car while she was doing research for the book. That's a good question. Probably don't want to know how many miles. (laughs) Um, I
1: don't know. A lot of Nabs were consumed.
0: Thanks to Josephine Nkrabi for that story. Check out our website for a photo of hills of snow shaved ice stand. Find that at eartheats.org. Seems like every fall there's a story about persimmons here on EarthEats. There's the story of the 60-foot persimmon tree in Louise Briggs' backyard. There's Lisa Dorazeski's peppered persimmon donuts with persimmon glaze. Who could forget the persimmon panna cotta? As the weather cools, you'll find persimmons dropping from the trees around here, and if you're lucky, you'll find the persimmon pulp for sale, already prepared, usually by running it through a food mill, which makes cooking with them very easy. We typically think of desserts when it comes to persimmons, but today Jackie B. Howard is taking them in a savory direction. We've had Jackie on our show before. She works here at the station, and she sometimes shows up on Earth Eats with fantastic original recipes even though her approach to cooking is not exactly recipe-centered. But we'll get to that later. Let's start in on those persimmons.
3: I'm gonna do different things with it today. So I'm gonna use it in a, a sweet way and a savory way. I'm gonna do a lamb persimmon curry. We are doing a beet salad, beaten beet kale salad with persimmon vinaigrette. And someone had pureed pawpaw and I was pumped. And so I got some pawpaw. So we're gonna do two different types of chia pudding, each of them with a different kind of tea and then the two different native Indiana fruits. We're gonna start with the curry. I have my cast iron pan, you know, the porcelain enamel cast iron pot. You could do it in a skillet, you could do it in a regular sort of pot. So I'm gonna let that pan get hot. I wanna get my pot as hot as possible before I start putting things into it. So I'm putting that on the burner, and while that happens, I've got ground,
0: natural ground lamb. So you're getting your pan hot, and yeah. you've got some natural ground lamb.
3: Yes. I'm gonna put a little, just a tiny bit of olive oil in my pan. Lamb is not as fatty as beef would be. Okay. so about a teaspoon and a half of salt, about a half a teaspoon of black pepper. I'm in no way a expert on curry, and this is in no way a traditional <laughs> curry. This is what I have on hand, it's what works for me, it's I'm just gonna taste it and make it what I want it to, what I want it to be and use, using what I have. So one of my favorite things in a curry in general, but also with lamb is big bold spices like cinnamon, clove, and nutmeg. So I'm gonna throw those in on the lamb itself. We'll say a, about a quarter of a teaspoon of clove a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon, and two pinches of nutmeg. I'm gonna let this sit and not touch it, and while that happens, I'm gonna chop up some veggies. One of my favorite things when I make curry at home, most of my meals are at least half veggies, and when I make a curry or a stir fry or just about anything, honestly, I just throw in as many veggies as I have and what sounds good. One thing that I do at the grocery store when I can catch a veggie tray on sale, I will get a veggie tray, and break it down and use those veggies so it gives me a variety of vegetables at one time. I don't have to buy a lot of all these different kinds of vegetables to make sure I still have the variety that I want. So I had a uh, veggie tray that had carrots and celery and broccoli, and then I also had some onions and peppers and squash, about a cup and a half of each. You can use any veggies that you like. my lamb is looking good I've added the onions I'm going to add the peppers and the carrots I'm going to hold off just a little bit on the broccoli and the squash because they're a softer veggie now that I've added the vegetables I need to they need to be seasoned as well so I'm going to add two teaspoons of salt about a teaspoon of black pepper I'm gonna go ahead and start uh, building some of my curry flavors in. Like I said, I'm in no way an expert on curries, Indian food, Thai food, but I have those flavors. I enjoy those flavors and I can put them together in a way that I enjoy. So I do garlic and ginger purees, two tablespoons of garlic paste and a tablespoon of ginger paste. I'm using a curry spice blend. Um, I'm gonna add other flavors to it still but it gives a little bit of a base to build off of. I'm gonna do a tablespoon of my curry blend. She's Um, breaking out the measuring
0: spoons.
3: That never happens. (laughs) One tablespoon of the curry blend. A teaspoon of yellow curry powder. My veggies are starting to break down in here. It's smelling really good, aromatic. I'm gonna taste my base here so I know what it tastes like when I add the persimmon and coconut milk that's gonna go into this. And so I'll know where I want, what I want to shift on top of that once those are in. So it tastes really good. The uh, curry flavor is really nice in it, it's good and bold. I want a little more cinnamon, and it needs a little bit more salt. The you know the thing about salt is it brings out other flavors. That's the purpose of it. And so every component of your dish needs to be salted because you want it to soak in that flavor and salt and, and make it pop out. So it's just a pinch of salt. I am gonna do a quart of persimmon in this. The persimmon is essentially the base of my sauce. In all of my cooking career, it's been really important to me. I love sweet and savory together. I love uh, sweet and spicy together because it's complex and interesting and it, challenges your palate a little bit and moves outside moves you outside your comfort zone. So it's one of my favorite, favorite ways to cook. And persimmon, it's sweeter than pumpkin. It's sweeter than sweet potato, but it has a lot of the same sort of flavor profiles. So there's, it has a lot of flexibility and versatility to be used in other ways. We just don't think to do that. So I'm doing one can of coconut milk starting to look like a curry. In terms of the sauciness, it's actually got a really great consistency to it right now. It's really important when you're cooking without a recipe to taste repeatedly, but it's important to keep tasting throughout so that you know where your flavors are at and where they're going and what you need from them. I am smelling the fruitiness
0: of the persimmon. That's what's different from it being a squash or a sweet potato or something.
3: Yes, yes it has that sweet fruitiness to it i've added the rest of the quart of persimmon and i know that it needs more salt we're going to start with another half teaspoon of salt i am adding another teaspoon of the curry powder i'm also going to go ahead and add in the rest of my veggies so i've got the cup and a half of broccoli and yellow squash so i'm going to let this sit for a little bit i'm going to taste it just to make sure that i won't season again until after it does cook down a little bit Mm -hmm. do you want to taste it
0: yes I put down my microphone and gave it a taste. I cannot believe the flavors of that sauce. That persimmon is really remarkable in a savory dish like this. And like you said, it's a warm, sweet savory, but it's savory and it's really, really nice. I
3: am so glad you like it. And I I still will bump up the uh, curry in this and I would want some heat to it And I will probably do that with sriracha, but you could do it with a Thai chili or um, another sort of chili paste would work as well.
0: So I'm thinking if you wanted to make this vegetarian, of course you would be lacking some of the depth of flavor that the lamb is adding and the fat and all that, but Mm -hmm. I could really picture this with chickpeas.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it would be great with chickpeas. You know, you do miss some depth with the, because you can taste the lamb in this, like the lamb comes out in that persimmon and it's such a great combo, but you can make up that flavor with other seasonings. I would definitely increase the garlic in it and I would maybe consider some other sort of warm, maybe like a thyme or something like that to add that, like it's a, a flavor that you associate with meat to then have that a- added depth to it.
0: And maybe some coconut oil or something at the base. Right,
3: right, yes. Yeah, to add the extra fattiness. So we're going to let this sit and stew just a little bit. Let the flavors meld together,
0: and then it'll be done. And Jackie has two more persimmon ideas for us, so stay tuned. Production support comes from Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy-positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.Studio Elizabeth Rue, Enrolled Agent with Personal Financial Services. Assisting businesses and individuals with tax preparation and planning for over 15 years. More at PersonalFinancialServices.net And Insurance Agent Dan Williamson of Bill Resch Insurance. Offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance beyond the expected. More at 812-336-6838. I'm Kate Young, this is Earth Eats, and we're back in the kitchen with Jackie B. Howard. You might have heard Jackie say that she doesn't cook from recipes, doesn't typically use a measuring spoon, does
3: a lot of tasting along the way. Well, there's a reason for that. I don't cook with recipes, mostly because when I was a kid, I was really into food and I did you know, I did learn recipes. That's how I started cooking. But my mom worked second shift and my dad he cooked, but he cooked like canned carrots and fried bologna, which has a has a place in my heart and I appreciate those things and and his effort. But as a kid he didn't he didn't really cook and uh, so I had I had to learn to cook early and had to learn to cook with whatever is there. So there weren't really I couldn't get a recipe and, and make that for dinner because that's not I'm not doing the grocery shopping. I've, you know, I can't, we, we didn't have tons of money, so we can't be requesting lots of sort of odd things to be having to make some very specific recipe. It's what you have and what you, it's what you, it's what, that's what you use. And so that's how I really learned to cook. Like what is in, I taught myself. So what, what do I have? What can I do to make this taste better (laughs) and it's just that that's just ingrained in me as i move forward and so i don't i don't use recipes i don't i don't make recipes i don't write recipes it can get really frustrating for other people because my recipes are just a list of ingredients here are the things that i put into it or here are the things that i have and i'll make it a dish but learning to cook that way means that i am so versatile and flexible that i can put something together at any time and learning to break down the flavors of food and how to put flavors together is the key to that so knowing your salt acid heat all of those things and that if you so when i taste something if you need more flavor at the beginning of it you need to add salt if you need more flavor in the middle then you need to add acid if you need more flavor at the end then you need more depth you need more garlic you need more heat you need something more to like fill it up for you and understanding that then means you can cook anything (sighs) anything and it doesn't have to be perfect it's not traditional it's not what someone it may it's not going to taste the same as if you pulled up this recipe out of a magazine or a book and, and did it exactly these step-by-steps and that has its place so i appreciate a recipe but i i don't know it just takes me back to being a kid and <sighs> and deciding that adding taking this box of macaroni you know, craft macaroni and cheese, taking this box of macaroni and adding pepper and garlic and ham and peas and all these other things. Now I have like a more full, complete meal that um, is mine. I made it and it tastes really good together. It's a silly thing, but it, that's how I, it just informs in all the cooking that I do. And now
0: let's get back to that cooking. Jackie has two more recipes using persimmon. The first one is a simple salad dressing.
3: So now we're gonna make a persimmon vinaigrette for my meal prep salads this week. I'm gonna do a kale salad with beets and goat cheese and pecans and then use the persimmon vinaigrette for that salad. I'm gonna make enough so that I will have dressing for salads all week. So I'm gonna chop up this rosemary. I'm gonna put it all in the blender to make my vinaigrette. So I don't need to worry about getting the rosemary terribly fine but it is gonna be better for it to get chopped up. And then I've got, I'm gonna take just a tablespoon of diced red onions. The red onion's gonna go really well with my beets. I want, the, I want the flavor of the dressing to be bold because the components of my salad are bold flavored, boldly flavored as well. I'm gonna put these into the blender. Two cups of persimmon. And again, that's already pulped and ready for me to go. I'm gonna do about a half a teaspoon of salt, the juice from about half an orange, one and a half cups of water, two to three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, three tablespoons of oil, a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon, and a quarter of a teaspoon of garlic puree. I'm gonna go ahead and blend this now.
0: Jackie gave it a taste and decided she wasn't getting enough of the persimmon flavor. She added an extra dash of cinnamon and another splash of apple cider vinegar. Then we gave it a taste. Oh, it, really uh, it, really, it really has the, it's persimmon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A little more tweaking and Jackie had the flavor she was looking for. And even though Jackie doesn't typically work from recipes herself, she was kind enough to write down the details of what she ended up with for this salad dressing. You'll find that at eartheats.org. Now it's time to assemble the salads.
3: So I'm gonna start with kale. I've Got fresh kale, and what I'm going to do is uh, separate it out into my individual salads, but I'm gonna massage it. It's a, an odd concept to think about, massaging your veggies. But it breaks down the toughness that kale can have when it's raw. So I'm going to massage it with olive oil, a little bit of lemon juice, and a little bit of salt. Mix all that together and then let it sit. And it's going to break that down, but not break it down so like it was cooked. Massaging it brightens it up, it softens it, and just makes it such a nice alternative to your regular salad that you're used to.
0: Yeah, it seems to me like it'll really hold up well in the fridge, like as as a meal
3: prepped salad. It's a perfect meal prep salad. Added to my kale salad, I have some cooked, peeled beets. They're on the smaller side, so I'm taking them and just quartering them because I like them gonna be big and chunky on my salad. And now I baked off some chicken just with some salt, pepper, and garlic. Really very basic, simple. They're organic, I picked them up while they were on sale. I sliced my chicken breasts and I'm just gonna sort of fan them out right next to my beets on each of my salads. I've got about a half of a breast per salad be a nice protein during my work days. I'm gonna chop up some pecans. You can toast them or not, that is totally up to you. I've got my pecans chopped and I'm gonna do some crumbled goat cheese.
0: Jackie has her containers lined up on the counter with the nearly complete salads assembled inside. The bright yellow-orange persimmon dressing cuts a dashing figure across the deep purple of the beets framed by the chicken, the goat cheese, and the rich green of the kale. Jackie knows how to make an ordinary work lunch into something to look forward to. Next up in our persimmon extravaganza, Jackie has a dessert.
3: But it's not what you might expect. So now we are making chia pudding. And if you haven't had chia pudding before, chia seeds are super fun. They look kind of similar to a poppy seed, but then when you put them in liquid, it soaks up the liquid around it, and it kind of creates this sort of tapioca-like texture around that inner seed. You can use it to thicken any liquid. I'm doing coconut milk today. Chia pudding is sort of a cross between panna cotta and tapioca pudding. So right now, it's just an organic coconut milk. Like you would drink a coconut milk, not like a canned coconut milk. So it's a thinner coconut milk. The coconut milk itself is slightly sweetened, so I won't be adding any other sort of sugar to it. It's a ratio of about one cup of liquid to four tablespoons of chia seeds. Our first one is chia pudding with the coconut milk and we're going to do persimmon and pumpkin seeds so you can do this like you would do the smoothie bowls that we did before or yogurt where you're topping you could add granola to it you can add fruit on top of it anything sort of flavor components and extra texture options that's That's completely up to you. To the chia
0: seed coconut mixture, Jackie adds some strongly brewed chai tea.
3: And I'm gonna add this a little bits at a time to get to the consistency that I want.
0: Cause that's the Jackie
3: way. That is the Jackie way, that's right. (laughs) It can be your way too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She ended up adding three tablespoons of tea to flavor the chai pudding. Then she got out a fancy glass and spooned a layer of the slate colored pudding into the bottom of the glass topped it with some straight-up pureed persimmon. Then she spooned in another layer of the chia pudding with a final layer of the persimmon puree on top, parfait style. I suggested a final dollop of whipped cream, but Jackie opted for a sprinkle of pumpkin seeds and coconut flakes. It's a gorgeous presentation. Be sure to check out the photo on our website. I'd never had chia seed pudding, so I was excited to give it a try. (gasps) That's so... Good. Oh. <laughs> I want more of the, of the pudding part because I really want to taste it. I love the flavor of that. Oh, it's so really good. rich, like you, the chai really is coming through.
3: Good, good, yeah. The
0: textures are great in this. Jackie had also picked up another native Indiana fruit, pawpaw, also already pureed. She mixed some green matcha tea with the chia seed pudding to layer with the pawpaw. It was also delicious and completely original. See the recipes and variations at EarthEats.org. The EarthEats team includes Aoban Binder, Chad Bouchard, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Taylor Killo, Josephine McRobbie, Daniel Orr, the IU Food Institute. Harvest Public Media, and me, Renee Reed. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young, and our executive producer is John Bailey. Special thanks this week to Emily Wallace and Jackie B. Howard. Production support comes from insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the Expected. More at 812-336-6838. Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio. Architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy-positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.Studio. And Elizabeth Rue. Enrolled Agent, providing customized financial services for individuals, businesses, and disabled adults, including tax planning, bill paying, and estate services. More at personalfinancialservices.net.